You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Alboverdi. Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. Jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into the latest Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, joined to my right, as always, by my co-host, Graham Hall. We got a lot to get to on today's show, Graham. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I feel like that's the case every single week. Always something going on here in Gainesville. And did you know another national championship? There was. There was. Sam Reifus. I mean, he added to the list. Huge. Yes, absolutely. It was a huge week. For him, obviously a huge week for uh, football recruiting. We got a lot to get to on today's show involving that. We're going to certainly talk about the contracts that were handed out recently and uh, certainly some other sports to get into as well as we recap softball and preview another regional in Gainesville this time for the Florida baseball team as they'll be taking on USF on Friday and also uh, a rematch with Miami. So we got a lot to get into on today's show, Graham. But let's start at first with the money that we found out was uh, being paid to Dan Mullen this coming season and for the next several years as he has received a $1.5 million annual raise, an extension on his contract. And he is now, Graham, the third highest paid coach in the SEC, fourth nationally. He is not fifth. He is not behind Jim Harbaugh as he once would have been, because if you missed the news in January, Jim Harbaugh took a massive pay cut, only making $4 million this year, Graham, after making $8 million the year prior. So Oof. he got his salary sliced in half, but not the case with Mullen. He got a bump, and a lot of it was due from the first two seasons that he had and was something that I think would have probably happened had it not been for the pandemic. And I think that's important to remember and note for people that might feel like this wasn't warranted solely based on the end results of last season, although I would argue there was a lot of things that you could point to from last year that makes him deserving of a raise. But it's not just from last season. It's for the totality of his tenure so far. Yeah, it is, absolutely. I know that Florida still has much that they think that they – are going to accomplish under Dan Mullen. And this is a sign that they believe that he's the man to help lead them there. I mean, that contract extension to have him in the building, in the fold, whatever you want to call it, for the second half of the decade, that's huge for this program because they've talked often about how this program is going to raise the ceiling here in the next year when the facility upgrades come to fruition, when they're under construction right now, but when those buildings are built and they actually can move in there and start competing with the likes of Alabama and Georgia in the discussions when you're bringing kids on campus. I mean, I really think that Florida expects to start landing a lot more of those five-star kids, those in-state prospects that they think that they should be landing regularly, but just have not for a variety of reasons. And this is a sign that they're going to get there in Scott Strickland's eyes um, under Dan Mullen. So we'll see if they ultimately get there. But I got to say, man, Looking at that Harbaugh contract, it was only a few years ago that people were talking about him being one of the top five coaches in college football before he'd even done anything. I mean, yeah, he was great out there in San Francisco, but 
really the fall has been massive for him. Obviously, it wasn't his idea to take a huge pay cut in the millions up there in Ann Arbor, but man, what a fall for Jim Harbaugh. I got to say, though, when you're making that type of money, though, the expectations are going to be extremely high, and, and Dan Mullen's about to find that out firsthand. And Florida fans got a lot of satisfaction from Mullen when they got to get that Peach Bowl victory over Harbaugh's Wolverines after that matchup that they had with McElwain that was not the way that they wanted to end uh, that season, as well as grand the season opener that they lost out there in Dallas. So obviously some revenge that the Gators got with Mullen in the uh, in the Peach Bowl, and that, that was one of his big wins, obviously, that helped him get this raise. Obviously the other win that he had in the Orange Bowl and the result in the Cotton Bowl was not what anybody wanted and won't really get talked about today, but that was his third consecutive New Year's Six Bowl game, and that counts for something. Certainly does in Strickland's eyes, and he's talked about Florida being one of only a few schools that have been able to do that the last three years. And, you know, that's that's part of the reasons why his assistants are getting paid the way that they are. And you saw it wasn't just Mullen that got a pay raise, but also Christian Robinson, who is now at $390,000 a year after a $100,000 raise uh, from this offseason. And obviously we know that he was linked to the Michigan job, got an offer to join Harbaugh and the Wolverines speak of the devil and decided to stay in Gainesville and certainly that offer helped but it was also I think the opportunity to stay in the SEC to keep working with Todd Grantham and just continue to build his brand and also his his resume here at Florida and you know we found out some other salaries for some other coaches as well the new assistants Garrick McGee the quarterbacks coach also going to be at 390k and then the defensive backs coaches uh, that recently joined the staff Weston McGriff and Jules Montanar they're going to be at 450 and 250 respectively and also we got the uh, contract for Tim Brewster the uh, assistant head coach as well as the tight ends coach he's making 485 annually so some obviously some Coaches that are being well-paid here in Gainesville, and that's, again, like you said, Graham, a reflection of the commitment from Strickland and just this program to that sport. And obviously with the, the standalone facility that's to come here next year, there's a lot of things to like in Gainesville. And um, obviously that wasn't the only coaches, though, that we saw get some uh, contract extensions this past week. Yeah, the basketball programs here in Gainesville were taken care of by Scott Strickland this past couple months whenever these contracts were finalized. First with Mike White, he's the longest under contract of the recent deals. He's under contract now through April of 2027. No financial additional terms added into his contract, but he, like Coach Dan Mullen, didn't receive their bonuses last season, so though they'll make a little bit more money anyway. And then Cameron Newbauer, he actually only had one more year on his deal. So that one in my mind, probably one that I think was a little more necessary to get done sure. there, right there than some of the other ones. Because anytime you are an assistant at any power six school, when you're going into the last year of your contract, I mean, it is just going to just absolutely kill you on the recruiting trail with how other schools are going to be able to say to recruits that you're going after, hey, they may not even be here next year. They're, they're not even committed to them. So locking up Newbauer through 2025 is going to ensure that that program continues trending in the right direction. I know they did take a step back from a previous season where they went 500 and, and went 12 and 14 last year, but signed another top 100 recruit uh, this year in Louisiana's Gatorade Player of the Year in Jariah Warren. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be huge um, moving forward as Newbauer continues to build that program up they had to make a promise with him and, and then with Mike White you know I think a lot of people let's be honest I, there there's some divisive opinions re regarding Mike White but 
let's let's just base it off Scott Strickland's yeah, comments he's himself. He's come out and said and, and gave that vote of confidence. What two clearly. months ago we, yeah. we we saw Scott Strickland speak on Sports Scene with Steve Russell about how it was a tough season. The transfer portal is just the way we previewed it here on the show, leading into Strickland's comments, and he backed Mike White and said he thinks he's going to be here for a long, long time. And, and he also said he's done well in the portal, and then. That's they true. They did it again. Yeah, they absolutely backed it up by landing those four guys that were very highly coveted around the country. So this was not a surprise whatsoever in my mind to see Mike White receive a contract extension, even though, like I said... He's definitely under the gun, though. I mean, not, not from it's his It's a hot from seat. I, I think so. I think that there's a hot seat, certainly, because I think that when you look at the expectations of Florida, you look at the fan base, certainly the fan base is the lifeblood of a program. I, I, I got to be honest there. And anytime they are angry, apathetic, uh, checked out, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that is a cause for concern. And I think that Florida's results on the court have not lived up necessarily to the expectations of the program. But when you break it down, I think it makes a lot of sense as to why it's been hard to build some continuity here and why, you know, not to use that term, give a pass, but why a lot of it is easily justifiable in the eyes of an athletic director. And Mike White's not the only one around the country who may be quote unquote underachieving in the eyes of the fan base, but this new era of the transfer portal, uh, obviously the the COVID-19 pandemic thrown into that as well, the stop in recruiting that all these coaches faced. I mean, it's been a very difficult time to build momentum and the programs that have had some stability amongst the roster for two, three years were the best off, the Baylors, the Gonzagas, and Florida just was not in that position this past year, especially when you factor in what happened to Keontae Johnson, which I just, I kind of pause here, Zach, sometimes, and and kind of am taken aback here when I, I, I look at how many people forget what happened to Keontae Johnson and how kind of the expectations were completely undone, how Florida still managed to make it the second round in the NCAA tournament without their preseason player of the year in the SEC it was an overachieving job in my mind, but I can understand why some people were disappointed. I'll be honest. Yeah. And obviously we, we found out one date that's going to be scheduled for the team next season. That's a matchup with Maryland on uh, December 12th. So that'll happen in uh, Brooklyn at the basketball hall of fame invitational. So market calendars for that. And also market calendars, certainly for some football this fall, we found out the end of last week after Graham and I recorded some kickoff times for next season, Graham, and we're going to get a night game in the swamp to open the season, rightfully so. Beautiful. 7.30 p.m. against Florida Atlantic. That game will be on SEC Network, but bring your butt to the swamp and sit in the stadium and fill it, and I, I think everybody's hungry to get back out there again and have an opportunity to get tickets. I mean, it's not like you couldn't go to a game last season, but they were a lot harder to come by, Yep. and that's not going to be the case this year. Uh, that second week, whew, better bring your sunblock because uh, the Gators got a nooner uh, in Tampa against South Florida. That game will be on ABC, but I'm not too upset about that, Graham, because that means I get to go cover the game and be done with all my work, and I get a night in Tampa. I mean, so oh yeah, you guys, you can look at how you want to look at it. For me, I mean, I don't have to be in the heat though. So yeah, no, I mean that's. It's a tremendous environment there. Not often that you can go down to a day trip if you're from Gainesville to go down to Tampa, see the area, big city like that. I mean, that's huge 
for Florida. I, I, Huge for media. I love it. Yeah, man. I, I would love to be able to do that. But I really also hope that we save some money in the travel budget to go up to the Barclays Center. I, I would love to be up there. I know that that's kind of a, a long shot, you know? I mean, but man. Yeah, anytime you can go to Brooklyn. Right. That's the, that's uh, that's one of the meccas. Um, <sighs> and obviously one of the meccas is uh, Florida, Alabama when it comes to SEC football. And that's going to be played on week three at 3.30 p.m. on CBS. The slot that you want. I think everybody expected that probably going into this year, but that is official now. And what is also official is Florida, Georgia on CBS at 3.30, week nine of the 2021 season. So, Man, it's it seems like a long way away, but it's going to be here not, before we know it. It's not. I mean, we were saying that about recruiting, Graham, and then before you know here it, we are. there's dozens of kids walking all around campus. So we're going to get to this first break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to recap the first day of in-person contact in more than 15 months, what it was like in Gainesville, what the recruits had to say. We'll actually bring you guys some interviews from Nick Evers and Terrence Gibbs, and we'll also preview the first official visit weekend of the 2022 cycle. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Gator Sports Podcast. Zach and Graham here, and recruiting is also here. Graham, it was so great to be back on campus once again to see everything happen. And I wrote about it in my recap from Florida's first recruiting event. And you could see and smell the barbecue coming once again from the IPF. Golf carts all up and down, Gale. I mean, it was just, it was a sight to see. I mean, usually it means a day of work for me when I see that sight, but I, I was, I was all, I was there for it. You know what I mean? It, it was nice to see. And we didn't get to talk about last week that the Gators uh, got a commitment from Jalen Humphrey, four-star cornerback, another one for Jules Montanar. So they kind of went into this recruiting week with a little bit of momentum. They got their highest rated commit in their 2022 class. And then on the first day, Graham, they get more than two dozen guys to show up, five stars from the 2022 and 2023 class, some of their top targets. Uh, nobody officially visiting, but you had commits in town, specifically Nick Evers, helping doing some recruiting, and obviously some guys after the visit, naming Florida their leader. And I mean, I think setting the tone for what's going to be a lot of visits to come for these guys before they got a chance to make that first impression. Yeah, it wasn't just even the 2022 guys. You had a lot of 2023 prospects on campus as well. Jaden Osbury, the top linebacker out of Louisiana. I mean, this staff knows that there's ground to make up, as does every staff around the country. And the time begins now. There's no excuse why you shouldn't have hit the ground running with guys getting on campus. Everyone, everyone lined up here with official visits here coming soon here. And that's what the staff had made sure to prioritize doing here. And all in all, a successful day. I mean, you don't often hear guys say that they ever had a bad time, but the remarks were glowing. Uh, just what Florida cooked up here, honestly. You know, we heard the term relationship ribs a few years ago here, and Shout they out were to ready. Snell, yeah. Did you get any? 
I did not get it. Oh, man. I would have been hovering around the plate. I I feel like I would have been awkward about it, but (laughs) I mean, you you just can't pass it up. When there's barbecue to be had, I, you know, I can't hold back. What's your favorite barbecue side item? I'm I'm a big brisket guy. I'm a big brisket guy. Oh, side item. Oh, ooh. Yeah, side item. You didn't hear that. See, I I was ready to go with what you (laughs) you you were going to ask about. With the the meat. Yeah, but oh, man, I'm a big, I love potato salad, honestly. I love potato salad. Salad. Okay, mm. but I also I love fried okra. I know that's that's kind of a niche one though, so you know I kind of feel bad saying it. But mac and cheese, obviously the go to. That's so. my go to. Was there mac and cheese? Ma- there was mac and cheese. Absolutely. Terrence Gibbs said he had to go back for two two sides. See, I'd rather have you know mac and cheese at the event I'm showing up to rather than a tricycle. But that's <laughs> just me, if we're being completely honest. Uh, but it, back on topic, huge. For Florida that to put on this topic. on, yeah, it was on topic, but huge for Florida to put this on. Back to the football aspect of it, the building relationship aspects of it, more so than the ribs. I mean, huge for Florida to also have. We mentioned this before. Have Nick Evers on campus. I mean, leading the way. You need a quarterback who's personable, who's yep. comfortable with the staff here, who's having a good time, showing it bringing other prospects around being that middleman so to speak between the players very well spoken exactly and that's huge for him and just the connections that he has seeing his his parents out there on social media as well uh, bragging about their son it's just all been great to see here Uh, very successful day for the program yeah they had two four-star running backs in town Graham they had a four-star wide receiver in town a, a guy that I think he's really trying to build a relationship with and Jaden Gibson like Terrence Gibbs that those guys are both from Winter Park they're both four-star recruits you also had Isaiah Horton in town a four-star wide receiver out of Tennessee and he also named four to his leader so to have those guys in town and then be able to talk to the quarterback that's that they would be playing with and, and he's able to spend the day with them he was walking around at the barbecue he was hanging out with them when they toured the campus and then was in the locker room when they're trying out the jerseys and the helmets and say, man, that looks good on you. I mean, it, it just helps because that's another voice in their ear that's not necessarily a head coach or someone that's trying to sell them from that standpoint. And, you know, we'll go right now to this uh, interview with Nick Evers where he talks about his day. He talks about his first visit to Florida that wasn't self-guided, where he actually got to hang out with the coaches and be in the facilities and it wasn't just a day to tour the campus and eat barbecue, Graham. They actually got to work out with the coaches, so he'll talk about his uh, his session with Garrick McGee and also what he had to say to the top targets in town. It was a good day. I enjoyed everything, just meeting all the guys in person. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to get out here for the official visit this weekend and meet more guys. So, You know, I was really just talking with Coach Mullen and Coach McGee a lot, and then, you know, I was just having small talk with every single coach. You know, I was really talking to uh, Jaden and CJ, so I was really talking with them a lot. Did you work out with Coach McGee this morning? Yeah, I did. I had, like, a little 30-minute session to show him a little bit, sneak peek what I can do. He thought I did pretty good. Um, You know, it wasn't like an actual workout, so we are kind of just, like, tossing the ball a little bit. But, um, you know, overall, I think it was pretty successful. you know, he gave me a few coaching points, you know, just like some footwork drills. And then when Coach Mullen um, saw me a little bit, he, he uh, had me fix a few things. But other than that, it was just tiny touches. Did he t- talking trash to you today? Yeah. Yeah, of course he did. I mean, he's always like, he's just like saying that, you know, me and him are going to be doing QB competitions all the time. So, you know, but 
you know, I was also like, we were, when we were throwing the ball, because it was just me and him, he was like dropping balls and everything. And I was dying laughing, just couldn't seem to catch anything. So, what did it mean for you, for you to have him come at you the way that he did early on and just make you the priority? Yeah, you know, it made me feel special, you know, because um, he was like a big advocate for me and at, at, the, at this program. So, you know, just like build a relationship with him and it was, it was pretty cool. And just like, you know, him believing in me and my talents is also sure. just taking us a step further. So. How, how does it feel to basically have, like, validated everything that he saw on you the last few months just with the way you've been performing? It feels good, you know, um, just, like, to back up everything he says. He's just like, he's like, my dog, you know, so I was saying that stuff. So, you know, I love him. Awesome, man. And then, obviously, being here for the barbecue, man, just, like, what was the atmosphere like just with all the coaches and recruits being in one place? Yeah, it was, I mean, like, the vibe was just it was super positive vibes. Everyone was just excited to get out, you know, I feel like. You know, just like the first date of everything opening up yeah. in Florida, just setting the tone of Florida is, you know, it's going to be a hard place to be with all these guys. So, you know, it's just super positive, and you know, I feel like everyone here enjoyed everything. So, good stuff there from oh, Nick yeah. Evers, and and as we're talking right now, and you guys are listening, he's still in town for an official visit, working on another group of guys that have come in for the 2022 class. So. He's really doing all he can to make sure that this class gets as many guys as it can and and all the targets that the coaches are going after. And one of them is Terrence Gibbs, who we've mentioned earlier, a guy out of Winter Park who kind of has had Florida leading for the last few weeks. And I think coming into this visit, Graham, only solidified that. And you're talking about a guy who is coming off of an injury. The staff has stayed loyal to him they they haven't backed off of, of him at all they continue to keep that relationship and continue to pursue him and he's a guy that is is able to come in and once healthy is is going to be if he joins this class Graham the the first high school running back that they will have signed in in a, in a few years and that's something that I think means a lot to him it shows that he's got an opportunity to come in and fill that void from a I think a development point on the depth chart and, you know, an in-state guy as well that, that has a lot to like about this program. But it is crazy, Graham, when you think about it. I mean, they've, the last couple of years, have, have added guys from the transfer portal and have not signed a high school running back. Yeah, I think that's the big focus right now at the position is landing a guy early in the process, keeping them, having them stick, and not just someone who's a three star and no no shots at anyone who's a three star out there because there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever no, but, but this is a top 200 overall person. absolutely a top 20 running back in the class who what offers from LSU Bama Tennessee yeah everyone who matters right now at this point so going out there landing someone in your own backyard I mean we're talking Winter Park less than two hours from Gainesville that that's something one that you have to land in my book and let's be honest here you know I mentioned disdain from a fan base earlier when I was talking about Mike White's contract, I'm not going to say that Greg Knox necessarily is on the hot seat, but when it comes to landing a running back as a high school senior, I mean, that is something that I, I, many people are expecting now is the time for that to happen here. Although it's overdue in, in my mind. It but. is overdue, I will say. To his credit, he's gotten running backs that were ready to commit and the staff decided not to take them because they opted for the transfers. Number one. Number two... The one guy that he did sign, or at least had a hand in signing, Brian Johnson was his primary. But at the time, nobody thought much of him. That's Naquan Wright. It's perception versus reality is, is I think, what we're agreeing with. I think, I'm not because, saying he's because, a bad... No, but to your point, a lot of people have felt like because they weren't landing those high school uh, 
they weren't landing those running backs from the high school ranks that that was going to hurt their room there. And it's been the opposite. Yeah. They're stacked there. That's probably going to be one of the strengths of their team. And they've done a good job through the portal, you know, addressing what they don't get via high school recruiting. And that's, they've done that at several positions, but especially at running back. And, and you're right, though. This is the year where you don't want to have to go and get another transfer. You want to get a guy that you can get in straight out of high school, develop him. He's got a chance to be in your program for several years, know the offense. Um, there's obviously a lot of benefits to getting a guy versus out of high school versus a transfer. Uh, we're going to go to this interview now with Terrence Gibbs. He talks about his day in Gainesville, some of the time that he spent with the coaches, and why Florida is in front for him right now. Um, Coach Rat, Coach Knox, Coach Dan Muller. You know, we stay in contact all the time, so it's just kind of just good to see each other and stuff like that. How does it feel to take a visit after so long, man? Uh, I mean, it feels good. I mean, I miss it most definitely. I most definitely miss it, but it feels great. Really reassurance, just in Florida telling me that they still really want me and, and stuff like that. They would talk about what they would see me doing, envisioning me doing this and that, and Kind of telling me some of the some of the things they would how they would use me catching running they like my versatility out of the backfield how I can catch the ball and were you here for the barbecue yeah I was here for the barbecue how was the food oh uh, the food was great I had to go back and give me some more what was your plate uh, I had ribs I had ribs um, chicken macaroni beans and some bread what's your favorite barbecue sauce Barbecue side is probably macaroni. Okay, you like me. Yeah, macaroni, yeah. <laughs> and so were you in there with other recruits, or what was just the atmosphere like mm-hmm. in there, man? I was in there with other recruits. Uh, it was it was pretty good. I mean, everybody's there for the same reason. They're all getting recruited, so everybody's just getting along, really, just talking about their old high school and what, what they've been like. Sure. And then outside of the staff here and the coaches, what do you like about this program and just what you feel like you could do here? I really like how they just make you feel like you're at home, really. They make you feel like it's very – they care about you a lot and, and stuff like that, yeah. And they haven't signed a high school running back in a few years. How much does that intrigue you, just knowing that they need a guy to come in like you? Um, it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel special. And just the fact that they keep, they're still pursuing me and stuff like that as much as they were before when I wasn't hurt. They're still, the fact that they're still pursuing me as much now that I am hurt and I'm still recovering, it means a lot to me. How is your knee? Uh, my knee is good. My knee is it's, yeah, it's, it's doing a lot, a lot better. Think you're on track to play again at the start of the season? Uh, I should be, yeah. But I'm just waiting on the nerve damage right now, so... We just have to see how long that takes, really. How tough was that to go through? Uh, it was really tough. Really tough. One of the toughest things I've ever done, dealt with. You haven't had an injury like that before? No, never. Nothing. No major setback like this. I know Florida was leading heading into the visit. Florida's still leading. I mean, stuff is kind of really the same. It was just really good to come out here and see everyone. And what's your timeline looking like? When, when, when do you hope to have a decision done by? Um, probably like the end of June. End of June, kind of. Good stuff there from Gibbs, who's got some more visits coming up this month, Graham, before he's going to make uh, his final decision. Looking like the end of June, it looks like he wants to get it done at some point this summer, but he's going to have to take a trip out to Baton Rouge and take a trip out to Knoxville and I think maybe see some other in-state teams as well. So Florida, again, though, got a chance to make the first impression, and they'll get to do that this weekend as well with uh, more official visitors that are coming to town, I think, expected at least to be a dozen, Graham, uh, including Evers. And you look at some of the guys that they have on their list, including uh, Walter Nolan, 
the a five star defensive tackle who's the nation's uh, number two overall prospect scheduled to be here. Another fi- five star prospect, Evan Stewart out of Texas, uh, uh, number three. A wide receiver in the country, a guy that played with Nick Evers uh, on this on a seven on seven team, and, and some other uh, targets from around the state. Uh, guys at IMG Academy, you got Gentry Williams coming in, uh, another top fifty overall prospect. So just some huge names, and and this is the type of splash that you want to make, Graham, on your first recruiting weekend. And it's a very competitive one, as well. I mean, I think it during the season. Often the high caliber kids that you're going to be able to bring in is going to be dictated by your record. And Florida consistently by winning eight, nine games has had an advantage over, especially as of late, FSU and and Miami and some other programs that normally would pull some kids away from them because they're in their backyard. But right now, everyone around the state is having high profile events, trying to get kids on campus, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn as well. So to continue to stack the books and bring kids in is incredibly impressive in my mind. It's a must. It's a must right now. So it's, it's high pressure. It's been building like this for, like we said, what, 14, 15 months. And it's no given that you're going to land all these kids, bring all these kids to campus because they're also hearing from FSU's coaching staff and, and Manny Diaz and everyone around the state. And you have Gus Malzahn in in Orlando now. So, and all the sec schools that are trying to come and cheer. (laughs) Exactly. And so, so what Florida is doing, you know, it may sound like we're just talking about, Oh, Hey, it's another weekend full of, four stars and five star guys but this is incredibly impressive when you look at how many teams are trying to bring guys to campus i'm gonna go one two three four five six six guys that are top 100 kids coming in most of them top 50 so i mean that is that's kind of how you set the tone and it wasn't just that first day on on tuesday graham i mean throughout the week we've continued to see guys coming in for visits there's going to be more official visitors sprinkled throughout the month it's not just going to be on the weekends there's guys going to be making midweek visits and then you're also going to have so many unofficial visits for guys that are coming through camps and to work out with the coaches and just see the campus because they haven't been able to come in 15 months so I don't think that maybe short of getting some commitments on Tuesday or the first few days this week, it could have gone any better for the Gators. They had the guys that they really wanted to get on campus show up. That's always the biggest worry and concern and hurdle with every visit weekend. You know, Graham, is just getting guys here. The anxiety of wondering if it's going to fall through at the last minute, too. And it's not just Florida folks that's trying to get these guys on campus the first day, the first week. I mean, you had all these schools pulling them in different directions, as Graham was talking about. So uh, we will continue to recap recruiting this month. We'll bring you more interviews uh, with guys that we feel like uh, are worth your time. We're not going to play a ton, a ton of recruiting interviews, but definitely if we catch up with one of the commits or someone that's looking like he's about to uh, pull the trigger for the Gators, we'll definitely bring you the comments when we can. We're going to get to this last break. When we come back on the other side, we will preview the Gainesville Regional this weekend for the Florida baseball team, recap softball, and also Sam Rifus's national championship right after this break. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Podcast. Zach and Graham here. And Graham, it was great to see all the activity on campus this week with recruiting, but it's going to be just as great to see the baseball series this weekend for the Gators and what's going to be a packed Florida ballpark. And there is no 
limits anymore. And I mean, we've got to see this new ballpark all season. And as Kevin O'Sullivan said, there's been some great crowds and great atmospheres, but they're going to be able to finally have that this weekend. And they need it to probably make an impact when the Gators face the Hurricanes. They're going to try and get revenge for that uh, season opening series loss against Miami. And that was uh, the first time that they'd gotten a series against the Gators since 2014. They got to take care of business against the Bulls first, which they should be able to do. Uh, I mean, they're barely 500 this year, although they have been playing well as of late. But this is a an opportunity for Florida to bounce back, certainly from the loss uh, in Hoover. But they were coming off three really impressive wins. They played not bad against Tennessee. And uh, I think they've showed several times this year to kind of be able to shrug off losses and come back uh, and and play some of their best baseball, and they're going to have to do it this weekend. I thought it was a really good run in Hoover. If anything, though, it may have underscored that this team just maybe lacks an arm or two to really make a significant run in the College World Series, but not to be a downer way ahead of time because ultimately Florida had a really successful regular season and now gets to host a regional here. If I'm Kevin O'Sullivan, though, and I hate to make another gripe so soon after, I got to be honest, but if I'm Kevin O'Sullivan, I mean, come on, the scheduling. As soon as you have the 100% capacity opened up, you give Florida a noon game on a Friday. I mean, everyone's going to be at work. If anything, give them the 5 p.m. game and give South Alabama and Miami that noon time. Preach, brother. I mean, if you want to have a chance at giving Florida fans a chance to pack that new Florida ballpark for the first time all season. Don't make it a nooner. Schedule it after work. I mean, even if it's full in the third, come on, it's full. It's yeah. not going to be full Friday at noon. I hate to be the bearer Just of like bad news. Just like it wasn't for softball. But the good side of this, though, is I am absolutely positive that we are going to see Florida ballpark the most full it's been all season Saturday when Florida goes for revenge against the Canes. Yeah, that should be the matchup. And Kevin O'Sullivan and the players talked this week about kind of what that or those two losses, should I say, to UM kind of did for them. Obviously serving as a wake-up call and just coming into the season, preseason number one, everybody telling you how great you are. You started last year undefeated, so I think all expectations are what, Graham? You're going to start this year undefeated, and they come right out of the gate and lose to Miami and then lose to Florida Atlantic and then lose to Florida State. I mean, it was not a smooth start to the season, and I think as – O'Sullivan talked about today, it took them some time to regroup from that and kind of figure out who they were as a team and and certainly make some lineup changes and and tinker some things that, as Sullivan talked about uh, this week, he he really hasn't done as much in years past. But they they kind of finally have got it figured out in terms of their pitching staff, in terms of their lineup, and he feels like they're not only playing their best baseball, but they're kind of at the best place that they've been all season I think in terms of team chemistry and a lot of that you can chalk up to a players only meeting that happened after they got swept at Arkansas and they all got together unprompted without the coaches and and talked about what they needed to do going into the postseason and then we saw them kick butt and Hoover the first three games before they faced a really talented Tennessee team who's the third overall seed in the tournament so I mean Look, they've had their moments this year, Graham. 
beat Ole Miss at home, beat Vanderbilt at home. And I think if they can find a way to advance this weekend and get revenge against Miami, um, that's probably the confidence booster and builder that they're going to need going into Super Regionals. Uh, But we'll see how they fare. Certainly going to try and do better than the softball team, which uh, had its season end, Graham, not like I think anybody expected. (laughs) Uh, Georgia comes in and, and wins the first two and ends Florida season in, in super regional action after the Gators were able to go up to Athens and take the series. And after losing the opener to Georgia, they won two straight and they hit some homers against their pitcher that came in here, Avant Graham, and threw two complete game no you know, shutouts. And really just Florida didn't have any answer for her in the circle. And uh, it was surprising to see Florida's season end in that fashion just given how well uh, they've hit the ball throughout the year but um, sometimes it's just not your day and for Florida wasn't their weekend yeah the bats just didn't show up for Florida I mean they had what it took on the mound they did their defense was really good uh, but I mean they just didn't get hits when it mattered against this team got blanked in both of those games against the Bulldogs and they were 0 for 16 at the plate with runners on base. I mean, that is just not how you win games. And we had talked often about one of, I think, this team's best traits, however you want to quantify it. It's it's not one player, but it was how well collectively they had rebounded from a loss, had yeah. not lost back-to-back games all season and long. Had, and had won every series all series. And so you had thought that that was going to be the best attribute for this team as you head into postseason play when, when double elimination comes in and super regionals. And to see Florida be defeated like that soundly to end their season at home, uh, got to say that's pretty crazy. But, you know, I know that they're not sitting there watching other teams, Zach, but I got to say probably feels a little bit better after watching James Madison beat Oklahoma today. Uh, gotta say, I know that seeing the Sooners fall to JMU and see them do that for the first time in program history maybe felt a little bit better about their loss. But either way, uh, tough defeat for the Gators this past weekend. Let me give some sauce out there to Florida softball fans, though. As, as tough as it is to see what is always a really talented Gators team go down in Super Regionals, We're used to this team going to Oklahoma City and this program going there. I thought Walton made a great point in his postgame presser when he was saying, you know, trips to the Women's College World Series aren't remembered. It's championships. And at the end of the day, the Gators added a number to that wall, 2021, because they were SEC champions. And – as tough as of an exit as it was, and you lose to your rival and you get shut out two games in a row, like that's going to sting and hurt for that team and for that fan base for a while. But you're still going to look back on 2021, five, 10 years from now, and remember it as a title team. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And I think that that was important for him to put out because in the time, certainly he's upset, the players are upset, and it's hard to kind of have that perspective. But I'm sure Steve Schroeder would tell you about that. You celebrate the SEC titles, baby. And, you know, I got to say, this is a little bit off topic here, but we're right now in the midst of, let's be honest, I mean, after the French Open with Naomi Osaka, you know, she kind of discussed how tough post-game press conferences can be for a losing athlete. She said that we're put up there at our most vulnerable in the toughest moment. 
and often the questions can be harmful to our mental health as athletes. So to see a coach or any athlete come forward and take some positivity away from a painful moment, I I think it's a reminder that not all people, when they experience defeat, are going to necessarily be unfortunately crippled when they have to discuss it afterwards and they're not going to be cam newton yeah they're not going to be devastated in the moment they're going to find some positivity you know some people love to use the cliche glass half full but either way hearing walton's comments and give some words of advice to this team because you know i think that the the expectations of florida are really high and the last thing i know that he wants is for his team to come away feeling like they failed in any sense or were let down or didn't reach their goals because ultimately you have to look back on the season and everything they overcame through the pandemic through battling back repeatedly as a success yeah absolutely and and you know you remember championships at the end of the day that that's what you're playing for and you remember those sec titles graham and you remember the national championships and we saw another one added from the men's tennis program last week graham as sam rifus wins the individuals national championship as he makes an impressive run uh coming off the gators winning their first program national title and uh look man we talked about it last week we we'll talk about it again that's why you call this uh, school the everything school? Because they continue to win ships like that. This is a really impressive run also in my mind because yeah, not only an Orlando native doing it in his hometown, winning the championship. Very cool. First Gator to do this in 22 years. Only the third ever to win the individual singles title. So obviously memorable in in that regard. But I can't stop thinking about this. I mean, the turnaround was 24 hours Crazy. after winning the team national championship. I mean, I'm just usually thinking about the cliche of a parade and getting off the plane and seeing fans there and celebrating. And if you're in the NBA, popping champagne. No, not I mean, for Sam. Yeah, you got to rub your feet, do your laundry, turn back around, and get ready to go right back at it. <laughs> and went all the way. Extremely impressive. I, I know I say this here all the time, but we don't often, I think, give fair amount of coverage to quote unquote small sports. But when you have a feat like this, you absolutely, it's noteworthy and deserves to be mentioned. So, huge no. accomplishment by Sam. I mean, he's just just as impressive as a guy that's playing, you know, back to back overtime games and giving them all their minutes, you know what I mean, and not hitting the bench at all. I mean, for him to go and and lead the team to a team national title and, like you said, that turnaround, no rest, showing the stamina, better than you and I, Graham. Is he the Damian Lillard of the men's tennis team? I tell you what, I am so mad that I missed that game. They got to put him on earlier, I tried to stay up and watch the Lakers, and it was a blowout and fell asleep on it. And then wake up to a bunch of Dame tweets on my timeline. Yeah, I was going to bed. We all know that tradition, waking in, up to a bunch of Dame tweets. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> right? I was going to bed right as Double OT was hitting. I mean, I was a little bit mad at his teammates for keeping me up later than I should have been because I had a lot of hope that they were going to win that game. But Jokic is just playing out of his mind. He's clearly the MVP. Yeah. was sad to see Bradley Beal's playoff run. Oh, man. And he was so close to that scoring title, too. You talk about titles. I mean, it came down to the final game. He needed to score 46 points in the final regular season game 
came up short, obviously, to Steph Curry. But number two, nothing to scoff at. That was what a season by him. I love that tandem of, of him and Russ. Well, I love this tandem, Graham. Always good to uh, talk Gators sports with you. Hope you guys enjoyed it and everything going on with uh, the Gators program and Gators recruiting. Appreciate uh, Nick Evers and Terrence Gibbs for the time this week after their visits. And uh, Graham and I will be back next week to recap that first official visit weekend, recap the Gainesville Regional, and uh, anything else happening in the world of Gator sports. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Abelverde.